Hello children and welcome to A Story at Bedtime. The tale you're going to hear this evening is another story from the wonderful dinosaurs of Dino Dell, written and narrated by Alice Goulding. Do enjoy and sleep well. Penny the Plateosaurus was very fussy about the way she ate her food. She liked everything to be arranged just so. She hated it when different foods got mixed up on her plate. She liked everything to be separated into little piles so she could nibble each fern frond without them getting tangled up in each other. Lunchtime at school was particularly difficult. Tracy the Triceratops tromped her carrots very noisily and Tyrone the Tyrannosaurus was forever getting food stuck between his teeth. Penny could not eat at the same table with them. It put her off her ferns. She always found a table by herself as far away from her classmates as she could get. One day all the tables were occupied and Penny could not sit by herself. What was she to do? Everyone had plates of food mixed up together and were masticating very noisily. Penny knew lots of different words for chewing and today she was using masticating because it was the word that described how everyone was munching, crunching, chomping and grinding their food in a most distasteful manner. Why could they not keep their mouths shut when they ate? Penny did not wish to see half bits of eaten carrot dangling from Tracy's parrot-like beef of a mouth or some poor rodent's tail caught between Tyrone's teeth. She reared up on her hind legs and all the dinosaurs stopped eating and sat with their mouths open. Penny spoke very clearly and announced, I think it's time you were all taught some table manners. My most important rule is that you never chew your food with your mouth open. It sprays everywhere and makes a horrible mess. If you take smaller bites, then it's easier to eat with your mouth closed. The dinosaurs were so shocked that Penny had told them off that they closed their mouths and chewed quietly. Now everyone was eating nicely, Penny smiled and ate her fern fronds without seeing bits of carrot and rodent tails for the rest of the lunch hour. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Story at Bedtime was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntingdon, Cambridgeshire. Hello children and welcome to Bedtime Story. Today is Tuesday and on Tuesdays we always meet Carlos and his friends. So here is another meow story written by Graham Emmett and narrated by Uncle Roger. Do enjoy and sleep well. Musketeers go into print. Carlos was sitting next to Mr. Matuba on the arm of the chair. He was searching for Christmas presents online. What could he get Ezra? He wanted something different. Ezra had all the electronic gizmos he needed as a student, and if he didn't, he could find them. Carlos had an idea. Ezra always liked to hear about Carlos and his friend's latest escapades. He found them rather amusing. 
While Mr. Matuba went to make tea, Carlos brought up their Facebook group and messaged them. I've been thinking, we've had so many adventures, it's about time we put them into a book. If we make any money on them, it could go to a cat charity. What do you think, everyone? But who's going to write it? I'm not much good with words. Any of you? A few moments later, Teddy replied, I'm only good with numbers and Larry wouldn't know where to start. Priscilla's posh. She might be the best one to ask, even if she dictates it to me. I'll go and ask. Mr Matuba sat down in his chair, tea in one hand and a slice of Madeira cake on a plate in the other. Oh, what have you been up to while I was out of the room? Let's have a look. Oh, well, now that's a good idea. I know someone who could draw pictures to illustrate it. There are many children who still like cat stories. Who's writing it? It can't be you. Carlos gave Mr Matuba a look, jumped down from the arm of the chair and went into the kitchen to find a snack. Munching on his dry food, he heard a ping from the laptop. Oh, could that be Teddy? Mr Matuba had fallen asleep. His tea had grown cold. Carlos touched the keypad, bringing the laptop to life. Teddy had replied. Priscilla would love to. She said Mrs Ponsonby is on a creative writing course and she's been picking up some tips. Carlos replied, good, I'll be over tomorrow. We can make a start then. Carlos poked his nose outside the cat flap. Brrr, he shivered. It definitely looked and felt like autumn. Dew on cobwebs hanging from bare bushes, that musty smell of golden brown leaves rotting under them. Priscilla was with Teddy. He was setting up the laptop. He'd just finished putting Mrs Phipps's bets on for Haydock. Hello, Carlos. We're just about to start. Where should we begin? Hmm. At the beginning, of course. When I went to see the Queen, and then I met Horace down in Kent. We had a few adventures, balloon flying, trip to Paris, Horace flying a plane, and then I showed him around London. And that was before I met Teddy, you and Larry. Speaking of which, I saw him eyeing up some sparrows on the bird table from the fence. Oh, not again. That's the third time this week. I'd better go and distract him. Teddy sighed and then shot through the cat flap, sending the birds into flight, just as Larry leapt for the table. Oh, look at what you've done, Teddy. You scared them off. That was the whole idea. You know Mrs Phipps doesn't like finding decapitated birds and feathers in the garden. Come inside. We need to hear your story of when you were carried off by that sparrowhawk. Larry jumped down and followed Teddy. He was sure the sparrows were laughing at him as he walked up the garden path to the house. They wouldn't be so lucky next time. Larry related all the gruesome details. Priscilla looked particularly squeamish at some of the vivid descriptions. I'm going to have to edit some of that out. It's far too horrid. That's for a horror story, said Priscilla as she finished the story. It will give me nightmares. I'm looking forward to seeing Horace's story. Can you fix up a Zoom meeting with him, Carlos? Will do. When? Oh, I'm having a grooming for a show at the weekend. Better make it next week, Carlos. OK. 
The following week, Horace and Priscilla linked up. It was the first time Horace had seen her since the summer. Priscilla was intrigued as to how he came to fly a plane and a balloon. There was more to Horace and Carlos than they'd let on. She was impressed. A local artist illustrated the finished book, which the printer then printed. Everyone went to the launch at the printer's office. Even Horace came up for the day. Priscilla liked that, and a good time was had by all. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Children's Bedtime Story was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntington, Cambridgeshire. Hello and welcome to Children's Bedtime Story. It's Wednesday where we hear all about the orange dog named Jaffa. Written by Jackie Richmond and narrated by me, Sue Rodwell-Smith. Let's see what Jaffa is up to this evening, shall we? Enjoy and sleep well. much is that dog in the window? The one with the waggly tail. How much is that Louis comes to live with Jaffa and Leo. It was during this period of time when we were having more new little humans to visit that Louis came into my life. Louis was born on the 29th of April 2006 but was born with a sight problem. He had 80% sight in one eye and only 10% in the other but Louis just loved life and took everything that came his way in his stride. He had such a strong character from day one, so when Louis arrived, I introduced myself to him. When mum gets a new puppy, we can't always play with them straight away, as they need to be vaccinated. That's injected. This was to be the case for Louis. We all had to be careful when we went in and out, because we could bring bugs and germs home from the park. Well... This is when the ritual first started with the awful disinfectant. Each day after our walk, Mum and Dad would dip their boots and shoes in disinfectant and then, oh no, Mama's got my feet up and then, yep, straight in the bowl. I hate my feet being touched at the best of times, let alone being dipped in smelly water. This was the ritual until Louis was old enough to come out on our walks and then, yippee, no more disinfectant on my feet. Of course, I didn't have to do it for myself, as I was not the puppy. Louis was also an orange. Our real name is called a fauve. I was delighted, as now I had another buddy as well as Leo. I had someone of my own size to play with, which was great fun. Louis was to be my shadow for the rest of his life, and I was to look after and keep him safe from harm. Louis was a little shining star from day one. Mum would say that he was our B-O-G-O-F, buy one get one free puppy, as Mum and Dad were supposed to have two puppies, but chose to have Louis anyway. Mum loved Louis to bits. She loved all of us, but Louis was special to her as he needed more of her attention. I was all grown up now, so never saw Louis as a chore, but as a learning curve, as I was able to show him the ropes and help him find his way around. One good thing for me, though, was if Louis dropped a biscuit, 
Lacking me, I was straight in there. Yummy. But Louis was always given another one, and Mum would just smile. I would tell Louis not to stand under Leo's mouth when biscuits were given out. Otherwise, he would be covered in slobber. Ugh. Sometimes Louis was too late. I always knew when this had happened, as the fur on the top of Louis's head would be standing up. I got wise to this from an early age. I also warned Louis to keep out of the way when Leo wanted to pee. Same applies. I always knew when this had happened, as Louis's fur on his head would be wet. But in time, Louis got wise to it too. Nothing ever got in Louis's way, and he was always first in line to do whatever was going on, even though he had no idea what it was to be. Louis settled in really well with me and Leo. All three of us would sleep together, with me and Louis curled up in Leo's legs, as if he was protecting us both. I knew there was something wrong with Louis, so I told Leo to watch out for him too. Louis was always with me, so I would look out for him, just as Leo had looked out for me. From now on, all three of us would go everywhere together. Me and Louis went to training classes, and Louis passed all the tests. Mum would always wear white trainers, and Louis followed her feet. It was lovely to see him interacting with the other puppies. Actually, no one would have believed he had a sight problem. We were all so proud of him. I would tell him well done at the end when he received his certificate. I feel I'm getting a little tired and may need to have a dog nap. I hope you enjoyed my story. Until the next time, good night, children. That dog in the window, the one with the waggly tail. How much is that dog? Edited by Sue Rodwell Smith. Children's Bedtime Story was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntington, Cambridgeshire. Hello children and welcome to a story at bedtime. This evening's story is all about a little boy called Johnny and is written by John Mountford and narrated by Julie Stark and myself, Sue Rodwell-Smith. Johnny is accident prone and always getting into trouble. Shall we see what he's up to this evening? Johnny goes to the library. Hello, I'm Johnny. I'm bright and bonny. I come top in all my tests. I'm not boring. I love exploring, especially castles. They're the best. But there is something I must tell you. It's embarrassing, I confess. I've always been a little clumsy and that makes me make lots of mess. Never mind, Johnny. Can we come with you? Where will you explore today? To the library. Let's go together. It's very friendly and you can stay there all day. So Johnny sets off to the library. He goes right in and admires the scene. With books everywhere, the range is extraordinary. He looks where he is going, but not where he's been. What was that? That whizzing sound. Was it that Johnny's found? He's got caught by the returned book trolley. Poor Johnny suffers another folly. Oh dear, I'm sorry, little lad. I lost control of my trolley at speed. I hope it slows down. I'm awfully sad. You're travelling very fast indeed. The library lady is all shook up and Johnny whizzes across the floor. The shelves are stacked with books to the top. But when he crashes, they're not anymore. It's not my fault. I didn't mean to. I promise there was no harm meant. I'm always very gentle. It was just an accident. 
No, no, of course it's not your fault. My hand slipped off through lack of friction, sending the trolley with a lurch and a jolt until it crashed into non-fiction. Now I must clear up all the mess. The library lady sighed in grief. Oh, I can help. I've had success at clearing mess. I am the chief. Oh, thank you. You are very kind to offer your time and help for free. We library staff are overworked with reading kids' stories and making tea. Now, all you need to do is load up the trolley and I'll put the books back where they belong. With two of us working in perfect harmony, the whole of this floor will be cleared before too long. Oh, dear. I don't think this girl's met our friend Johnny. His heart's in the right place, but hands act unplanned. Do you think she may end up feeling more sorry that if she cleared up on her own single man, Johnny is quietly piling some books in a pile that is soon much more tall than himself? If I use these books to make steps, then it looks like a ladder. I'll climb to the very top shelf. Now Johnny feels pleased with the work as he climbs. The scared library lady looks on with dismay. She dare not call out for the boy might mistime his next step and fall back to earth. That's a long way. Her heart's in her mouth, Johnny's foot on Pepper Pig. Will Daddy Pig save him, or will he not care? <gasps> I'm high enough now. I can reach the thingamajig. And that's what he's done. Now he's dangling midair. It's not my fault. I didn't mean to. I promised there was no harm meant. I am always very gentle. It was just an accident. Oh, what shall she do now? The library lass groans as a dangling small boy wriggles over her head. Don't worry, says Johnny. I'm accident prone, but I'm a whiz when life hangs by a thread. If I get my foot in cookery books A to Z and then my spare hand in pottery one, two, three, I'll hoist myself up and not land on my head and all will be well at our town library. Johnny does as he says, and he leans to one side to get hands and feet in position just right. But the lopsided weight to the shells he's applied meant the whole thing just tilted, then crashed. What a sight. It's not my fault. I didn't mean to. I promise there was no harm meant. I am always very gentle. It was just an accident. But worse was to come. Oh, no. What have I done? For the shelf had thrown Johnny back on the trolley. Whoa! Johnny cries. This should be fun. But the last time I did this, it went quite badly. Now poor Mr Dodd is a gentle old person who hasn't been able to walk for a while. He didn't expect his condition to worsen. The library felt safe and the books made him smile. You know what they say when a thing turns out bad? Wrong place at the wrong time, they say in tones jolly. Well, poor Mr Dodd's in a place at time when a small boy is riding and rampaging the trolley. The book Mr Dot has picked up off the floor is called Thunderclap and he turns the first page. The next thing he knows he's flung out of the door as his wheelchair speeds off much too fast for his age. For poor Mr Dog's things just cannot get worse but they do for right now a policeman walks by. My word, what was that? A wheelchair in reverse and towing a trolley. I must find out why. Right, little boy, I want a word with you. I'm sorry, sir. I didn't mean to. I don't know where the wheelchair went. I am always very gentle. It was just an accident. 
At home that night, Johnny dreams of adventures, exploring on the day he has spent. But Johnny is always very gentle. He has just lots of accidents. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Children's Bedtime Story was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntington, Cambridgeshire. Good morning children and welcome to Children's Corner on a Saturday, broadcasting on HCR 104FM. I do hope you enjoy the story today and do tell all your friends, won't you? Have a lovely Playday Saturday and see you next week. The story you're going to hear is called Milo the Monkey's Garden Adventure was written by Rebecca Cook and is narrated by me, Sue Rodwell-Smith. Do enjoy. It was Monday morning and the sun was shining brightly through the window. I'm bored, Milo the monkey sighed. Pancakes are ready, boomed Father Gerard. Milo and his younger sister Macy raced to the table, where Mother Flo was filling the pancakes with warm banana and chocolate spread. Mmm, my favourite, beamed Macy. The family sat together and ate breakfast. Milo looked sad and puffed out his cheeks with another long sigh. Oh, Milo, what is wrong? Flo asked. Milo frowned and said, I'm bored. It's the summer holidays, Flo said. There's no time to be bored. There's lots of fun things to do if we use our imagination. Flo smiled at Jared. They had an idea. Milo and Macy were given a list of things to find in the house and they went off searching for the items. Milo scratched his head and wondered what two blankets, some clothes pegs, a mat, sleeping bags, pens, paper and a book on animals was for. They followed their parents out into the back garden. Using the frame of the monkey bars, Flo and Jared draped and pegged together the blankets into a triangle and put the mat and sleeping bags inside. Ooh, what's this? Macy said. It's a den, Milo replied, swinging from the tree all excited. Come on, Macy, follow me, let's come inside, said Milo. The den was big and cosy. Gerald gave them two pillows and a bag. Flo gave them some paper, pens and a book on animals. Now then, if you sit quietly, you may see some amazing things in the garden. But remember to look and do not touch, Flo said as she returned to the house with Gerald. Milo and Macy looked at each other, puzzled. Milo thought this was a cool den, but didn't like the sound of sitting quietly. Milo looked inside the bag and found some snacks. He took out a piece of banana loaf and broke off some for Macy. He always liked to share. Suddenly, Macy pointed and whispered, Milo, what's that? Fluttering in between the purple lavender was something pretty and white. Milo did not know, but had an idea and looked inside the book. It's a cabbage white butterfly. Quick, write it down, Macy, and I will draw a picture, Milo said. Bzzz. Ooh, what is that, Milo? said Macy. They looked in the book. It's a bee, they both said. Did you know bees make honey we eat? Milo asked. No, I did not know that. Let's see what else we can find, said Macy. Time went quickly as the list of animals grew and drawings of birds, snails, ants, ladybirds, frogs and rabbit covered the den. They were having so much fun learning all about the animals and were careful to look but not touch. The sun went down and they got into their sleeping bags. It's getting dark, Maisie said. I don't know if I like this, 
Milo looked into the bag and found a torch and switched it on. <gasps> Milo, you are so clever, said Macy. They looked up. A cream moon shone brightly. Suddenly, a shooting star flew across the sky. Milo said, What a fantastic day. I will never say I'm bored again, but will use my imagination. Milo the Monkey's Garden Adventure was written by Rebecca Cook. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Children's Saturday Story was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntingdon, Cambridgeshire. Hello and welcome to Children's Corner. You are about to hear another children's poem from Jumping Jaws' Julie Stevens. Do enjoy. Astronaut My astronaut sleeps on a star, tired from searching planets for galactic friends. His lonely mission finds only moon and one sole star who winks at him offering comfort. I want to climb up there, be his friend and blow bubbles at the night. But I don't have a rocket. They're only for grown-ups. I could use some ladders, point them to the sky, or stand on the top of my neighbour's tree. Would that bring me near? I wave to him, knowing my mum will be here soon to tuck me up for the night with all my planet-hopping dreams starring in my head. If only he could see me, he'd lower a rope down and ask me to climb. Together, we could watch the moon smile. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Children's Corner was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntingdon, Cambridgeshire.